0: Once there was a man who was a prophet, a special messenger who heard from God. His name was Jeremiah. One day, God told Jeremiah to get up and go to the house of the potter. God said he had something very important to tell Jeremiah there. So Jeremiah went to the potter's house, and sure enough, the potter was there, working away at his wheel. Whenever the pot turned out badly, as sometimes happened when you're working with clay, the potter would simply start over and use the same clay to make another pot. Then God spoke again and said, Can't I just do as this potter does? Watch this potter. In the same way that this potter works on his clay, that's how I work on you, my people. God made the whole universe. We're just people. How can we argue with God? He's the one who made us and formed us. He's still forming us. He knows how things should be. Should the clay say to the potter, why are you making me like this? When the potter's hands try to press the clay to make it what he wants it to be, should the clay say, no way? Should the clay get hard so the potter's hands can't even shape it? If it did, it would just stay a useless lump of clay. But when the clay obeys the potter, when the clay moves when the potter wants it to, When all the clay lets the potter decide how all things should be, then the clay becomes something so much greater, something beautiful, something it could never have become without the potter. That's how it is with God. He might ask us to do things that seem really hard. He might lead us through times when we wish things were really different. He might ask us to obey Him when we would really rather do things our own way. But we know for sure that if God tells us something, we should do it even if we don't understand. After all, we're just the clay. We're not meant to understand everything. It's okay because he's the potter and he does. He knows everything. He knows us. He knows the good purpose and plan he has for us. And as our creator, he has the right to make us and shape us in every single way he wants to. When we obey God, when we let him shape us and mold us into what he wants us to be, we become his art. His handiwork. People look at us and see how good God is. God, you are our father. We're the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Help us to go where you want us to go and do what you want us to do. Teach us to obey and trust you always so you can shape us into what you want us to become. Amen.
1: Well, I hope you enjoyed uh, that video. The title of the message today is the potter and the clay. This is the word of the Lord from Jeremiah chapter 18 verses 1 through 4. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Arise and go down to the potter's house. And there I will hear you will hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house and there he was working at his wheel. And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand and he reworked it into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to do. If God were to desire to teach us a lesson or a powerful truth in today's culture, I'm sure he would tell us to go down to an indoor mall where analogies abound. Searching for pleasure in things, pursuit of happiness in possessions. Or he would take us to a fitness center, stationary bikes, going like crazy and going absolutely nowhere, a passionate search for the perfect body, even some search for immortality. Or he would direct us to Wall Street, where there is a pursuit of wealth, a pursuit of personal security. Or we could go outside and we could understand God by his creation. We could look at the Grand Canyon, one of the eight wonders of the natural world. Sherry and I have a friend that uh, they went on a family trip to the Grand Canyon once and their 12-year-old son, when they got there, he said, that's a big hole, now let's go home. Now we've got to appreciate the great creation of our God. Or we could look at a newborn baby, a butterfly. An Arizona sunset during monsoon season. Beauty all around us. A, year, a few years ago, Sherry and I went to San Diego to see the exhibit called Body World. I hope you, maybe some of you saw that. What an incredible thing to see how our bodies work. 10,000 different things have to be happening at one instant in order for you to breathe one breath. Incredible. We see God all around us. We see God's creation abounding with beauty and creativity. I think God would direct us to our world as he created it. And yes, the things we have created with our God-given gifts, skills, talents, and creativity. He would say, you can understand a lot about my relationship that I have with you by looking at what I have created. In the 7th century BC, God directed his people, the Israelites, to go down to the potter's house. He said, there's something I want to show you. There's something I want to teach you. There's an analogy here that I want you to understand. The potter was a craftsman and an important businessman in his community, where his work and product were essential to everyday life. So I went down to the potter's house, Jeremiah writes, and there he, the potter, was working at the wheel. Now, some of you, when you see this or hear this image, you think of the movie from many years ago, Ghost, right, with Patrick Swayze and that provocative scene with the potter's wheel. Well, take that out of your mind. Actually, I probably shouldn't have even said that, right? So, yeah. So, anyway, that's not what we're talking about. Uh, here, Jeremiah sees the potter working at the wheel that has a formless mass of clay on it. He turns the wheel, and with skilled hands, he shapes the clay. A little pressure here, a little more there, and a vessel begins to rise out of the shapeless lump. Do you realize the significance of pottery? Maybe not. It's so common in our world today. The invention of pottery was said to probably happened in about two, 20,000 years ago in China. We don't know that for sure, but that's what some archaeological ar- archaeologists say. We do know that pottery was around 10,000 B.C., even before Abraham's time. And imagine how important pottery became to our world. It changed our culture. I mean, before then, you had Bedouins and nomads wandering around, always looking for a place where they could... Have water where they could let their, their camels have water. Always searching, always trying to find ways to be near water. Well, when these vessels, these, this pottery was invented, it changed our society, our civilization completely. I mean, imagine what it would be like today without containers, without Tupperware. Oh, you know, God forbid, right? Or Pyrex, or Magic Chef, or the worst of all, styrofoam cups. This was an incredible invention. Now, another impact of this invention was that it wasn't just practical and useful. All of these vessels are practical and useful to carrying water, carrying other things. But they were also, as time evolved, created to be beautiful, right? So let me show you a couple of examples. So uh, this is a chalice and a communion plate that Sherry gave me when we graduated from seminary. Is that right? And as you can see, they're not just useful, but they're beautiful. And they have carving on them like that. And then uh, here's another one. This is the one I use each Sunday for communion. This was carved beautifully. And I'm not going to tip this up because it's got uh, something in it. And uh, here is a beautiful example of how that pottery became something more than just useful. It became beautiful and useful. Pottery. Pottery. What an amazing invention in our world. Combination of shapes and curves and designs, painted, glazed, fired. They became both functional and beautiful. When Jeremiah visited the potter's home, his imagination was stirred. He saw beyond the lump of clay and the potter's wheel. He saw something else. He saw God at work making a people, the Israelites, for his glory. And in the future he saw him creating a people, Christ followers, the Christian church used for his purpose, a people of God, persons created in the image of God, necessary, very necessary, but also very beautiful. Now we are necessary because we are God's containers, God's vessels, that carry the good news of Jesus to the world. That's why we are called ambassadors. We are carrying the good news of Jesus to the world. So, these pottery pieces were not only useful, but they were beautiful. Now, I want you to do something, It'd be kind of weird in your living rooms, but I want you to turn somebody in your space whether it's here or in uh, somebody's home or outside, I want you to turn and tell them you are useful and beautiful. So I'm going to do that right now. You are useful and beautiful. Okay? Sherry and Kathy, you are useful and beautiful. What a great congregation we have of two people here. It's awesome, right? This is how Peter phrased that idea. In first Peter two chapter ch- chapter two, verses nine and ten, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare this is the usefulness of us, you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You are useful to declare the praises of him. You are that container, that vessel to carry the good news of Jesus. And you are beautiful, a royal priesthood. It reminds me of a story uh, in front of a delicatessen, there was an art connoisseur was walking by down the sidewalk, and he saw in front of this delicatessen, he noticed a little mangy kitten lapping up milk from a saucer. Then the saucer, as he looked at it closely, he realized was really a rare and precious piece of pottery. So that sparked an idea in the art connoisseur's mind. He strolled into the store, and he offered $2 for the cat. It's not for sale, said the proprietor. Look, said the collector, that cat is miserable, scroungy, scrawny, and undesirable, but I'm eccentric, I like cats anyway, so I'll raise my offer to $10. It's a deal, said the proprietor, and pocketed the 10 bucks on the spot. Now, this art expert thought he was going to pull a fast one over on the proprietor, You know, for that sum of money, I'm sure you wouldn't mind throwing in the saucer. It seems the kitten is really happy drinking from it. Nothing doing, said the proprietor firmly. That's my lucky saucer. From that saucer so far this week, I've sold 34 cats. (laughs) It's both useful, right, and beautiful. Now, when Jeremiah visited the potter's house, His imagination was stirred. He saw beyond the lump of clay, and he saw something amazing. Now, all of this came clear to Jeremiah. The brute fact of clay, lumpish and unable to do anything on its own, was shaped for a purpose by the hands of the potter. And then as it took shape, formed by the potter, yielded to the pressure of the potter's hands, the uniqueness and beauty comes alive. I have a uh, great niece. Uh, her name is Devon. She is how old now? 21, 22 years old. Uh, she has severe severe Down syndrome. She has a uh, probably a mental age of about a three or four year old. And um, I remember when she was a little girl, uh, she would go prancing around the house and she would say, "I am beautiful. I am beautiful." And she'd say that kind of all day long. And of course her mom and aunt and uncle and everybody else around said, you sure are, Devin. You are beautiful. There's something amazing about a creation of God that recognizes their beauty. There's something amazing about someone who society would say should be discarded. I remember when uh, Devin's mother, Cindy, was pregnant 22 years ago. She called me. We lived in Minnesota at the time. She called me and said, Uncle D, what should I do? Um, The doctor said the baby's not going to be well. We don't know what's going to happen. And we talked about it, and I told her what I thought and what she believed. And she finally had the baby, and um, I cannot imagine a world without Devin. She is both beautiful and useful. But Jeremiah notes that something is terribly wrong. He said, the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hands, chapter 18, verse 4. Jeremiah knew about spoiled vessels, men and women like the Israelites, like you and me. Men and women with impurities, with blemishes, with flaws, with cracks that resist the shaping hand of the creator. Have you ever resisted God's shaping hand on your life? Jeremiah continued to observe, what would the potter do now? Take the wheel over and go sulk somewhere? Take the lump of clay and throw it at the cat? That's what I would have done. Laugh it off and say, well, that darn clay has a mind of its own. No, no, and no. Verse 18, or chapter 18, verse 4, he reworked it into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to do. He started over. He recreated. He pulled and yanked and slapped and patiently and skillfully allowed this new creation to come alive. The theology of this scripture passage can be stated quite simply, and it's this. God can do whatever he wants to do with you. He doesn't have to ask your permission. He doesn't need to explain himself to you. He doesn't need to defend his actions. God can do whatever he wants with you. That's what it means for him to be God. In his hands, the scripture tells us, rest all rule and power and control and authority and kingdom and government and dominion. In other words, he is the ultimate control and you are not. Now, this is the doctrine of the sovereignty of God. Now, the flip side of that coin is the free will of man. But this is the sovereignty of God. Now, some people do not like it because I want to be in control. I don't want anybody controlling my life. I want to be in control. Some people tremble at the thought of God's sovereignty. God's going to see me doing something wrong and he's going to squash me. And some people just simply oppose it. I'm going to do exactly what I want to do and no one's going to tell me otherwise. Does the clay say to the potter, what are you making? Does the clay have the right to say to the potter, what are you doing with me? So there's a wonderful example of this in Scripture. Those of you who have been around the Bible, those of you who've been around a church, have heard the story of Job. But let me just tell you briefly what that story is about. So Job was a man of God. He was had integrity. He was a wealthy man. He had so, many, uh, so much cattle and donkeys and camels and chickens. He had daughters and sons. He had wealth, a beautiful place to live. Everything was going his way. And then everything turned sour. It's like he lost everything almost overnight. All of his wealth, camels, donkeys, cattle, all gone. All of his children died. All of his wealth was gone. Even his physical body was attacked. And he had these terrible boils all over his body. Here's where the connection comes in. He took a shard of pottery and began to scrape the boils on his body. At this point, Job's wife comes up to him. She wasn't being very helpful And she said, Job, why don't you just curse God and die? It's obvious that God doesn't care about you. It's obvious that, you know, that you're nothing to him. Why don't you just curse God and die? And then for the next 35 chapters, Job kind of has this ongoing dialogue with God. Actually, it was a monologue. He was complaining to God, why me? He had three friends that were not so friendly sometimes in the advice they gave. And I was just going on and on and on. God, what did you do to this to me? Some of you know what that's like, right? To say, God, why did you do this to me? And he was on and on and on. And then we finally reach chapter 37 in Job. And this is what it says. And then the Lord spoke. Actually, the word there in Hebrew is the Lord spoke. And this is what he said. Where were you, Job, when I laid the foundation of the earth? Have you given orders to the morning? I have, God said. Have you journeyed to the springs of the sea? Do you watch when the doe bears her fawn? Will you correct me? And this went on, and God pretty much thundered against Job and his friends for a long time. And then at the end, there's this beautiful scene. It's like uh, Job is standing before God, and he's basically saying, you know, in our parlance today, uh, God, my bad, you know, sorry, you know, (laughs) do I complain? And then here's what what Job said. (laughs) He said, I know that my Redeemer lives. I know that my Redeemer lives. I know that my God is real. I know that my God will redeem me. I know that my God will love me. Does the clay have the right to tell the potter what to do? No, Jeremiah's message is about judgment. Let's be very clear. The picture of the pot in the potter's hand is not meant to be comforting at this point, but to be disturbing. I remember he used to be a very funny comedian, Bill Cosby, who now since has fallen from grace, but he used to say this phrase to his children, I brought you into this world and I can take you out. That's exactly what God is saying here. He was warning Israel and he was warning you and me at this time in our lives that we do not call the shots. God can take down a person or a nation if they do not Repent if they choose to follow a different path, if they choose to embrace the scarecrow. This is what it says in verses 7 through 10. If at any time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down, and destroyed, and if that nation I warned repents of its evil, then I will relent and not inflict on it disaster I had planned. That's a relief. Okay, God, there's still a chance, right? There's still a chance, right? And if at another time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be built up and planted, and if it does evil in my sight, and does not obey me, then I will reconsider the good I've intended to do for it. Here's what God is saying to you and to me. God, I reject you. God says, but I'm still going to come after you because I love you. God, I'm saying no to you. But I'm the hound of every man. I will chase you down to, to the corners of the earth. God, leave me alone. I don't want any part of you. There's a point at which we say no, 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 no to God and God says, okay, have it your way. It's on you. I've done everything I can to redeem you, to come after you, to love you, to grace you, but you continue to say no. And that's exactly what Israel did. Israel, this is a warning for any nation. This is a warning for our nation today. This is a warning for our world today. Most would agree that our nation, our world in a lot of ways is in a moral decline like the Roman Empire was 2,000 years ago, right? According to Jeremiah, the only way to escape such disaster is to turn away from our sin. The only way to get to God is to relent for what We have done. Americans to repent for their hatred and violence, wastefulness and sloth, racism and injustice, selfishness, materialism and sexual immorality. According to the word of God, any sinful nation must either repent or perish. Now listen, these are Jeremiah's words. These are the prophet's words. Don't shoot the messenger. These aren't my words. But this is the word of God. How many times do we as individuals and as a nation say no to God? I'm not going to do it your way. I'm going to go in my own path. God gave the same message to Jerusalem in the days of Jeremiah. After setting forth his general principles and ruling for the nations, he applied them to his own people. In verse 11, Look. I am preparing a disaster for you and devising a plan against you. So turn from your evil ways, each one of you, and reform your ways and your actions. Man, those are hard words. The people of God are clay in the hands of an angry potter. But, Israelite, but Israel rejects the prophet's message because they have forgotten God. It's kind of like this Infection of national amnesia. I mean, they forgot that God delivered them through the Red Sea. They forgot that God provided sweet water from a rock. They forgot that God provided manna from heaven and quail when they were tired of bread. They forgot that God provided them a way through the Jordan River into the Promised Land. All of these, they have simply forgot God. They embraced a scarecrow. This is what it says in verse 15. Yet my people have forgotten me. They burn incense to worthless idols, which made them stumble in their ways and in the ancient paths. They made them walk in bypaths and on the roads not built up. They're on the wrong road, they're on the wrong path, and so are we. Have you forgotten God? Have you forgotten that He is the potter? And you are the clay. But listen, that's not the end of the story. God always provides a way, a new path, a new way for us to walk. Ask the potter for mercy and the potter relents. Beg God to forgive your sins? Yes. Trust in Jesus for salvation? Yes, yes, and yes. Yes. Believing that Jesus died on the cross for our sins? Yes. Psalm 103, 13 and 14 says, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. God knows that you are formed from dust. And that sinful dust, he has a compassion for all who fear him? I have a, a nephew, my younger sister's uh, middle son. His name is Aaron. Uh, Aaron was uh, growing up when we lived in San Diego, and all of our family was in the same general area. He was our our middle son Nathan's uh, best friend. Um, and but some terrible things happened to Aaron when he was a little boy, and he grew up and he started as a teenager on a pathway that was really in bad in a bad way. A lot of things went wrong. A lot of things he did wrong. He takes personal responsibility for. He did a lot of evil. And he found himself in prison for over 10 years. He got out a few years ago. And he told his family uh, when he got out that he had met Jesus in prison. Now, we've all heard those kind of uh, prison salvation stories. And we always go, hmm, yeah, wow. Yeah, I wonder, you know, how real that really was. And I remember Sherry and I, because he hurt everybody in our family. Uh, I remember Sherry and I thinking, oh, boy, I hope it's real, but uh, I'm not quite so sure. And so about three years ago, I was I traveled over to San Diego, and I met Aaron, or I saw him for the first time in 20 years. And um, I was able to um, look him in the eye, and I saw Jesus there and I heard him speak, and I felt the presence of the Spirit of God in our conversation. When I hugged him, when I embraced him, I felt the warmth of the Holy Spirit. This young man was completely transformed by the power of Jesus. This young man had his life absolutely crushed. His life was this misshapen lump of clay And God took that life and crushed it to dust and then he rebuilt it. And he made something that is absolutely beautiful and absolutely useful. Aaron today runs a ministry for first responders and military people that helps them find mortgages and discounted things. And it's a tremendous ministry all based on the word of God, all based on Christian principles. And um, he is doing so much good in our world today, you can't even believe it. God is the potter, and we are the clay. Implications of that are so powerful. Let me just share a few of them as we close. First of all, he created us. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. The word formed uh, is the Hebrew word Yatsar, not Yatsi, the game, but Yatzar, right? And it's the same word that is used in Genesis when God picked up the dust of the earth and created Adam. God formed before, uh, before I formed in you the wor- before I formed in you the womb. I knew you, He says. Listen to Psalm one thirty nine, uh, verses fifteen to eighteen. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. You just imagine that. Little Devin, Aaron Moore, you and me. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Listen, how precious are your thoughts about me, oh God. They cannot be numbered. How precious are the thoughts of God about you, a a, a pottery of beauty and usefulness. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of the sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. God formed us, created us, before we were even born. So God created us. The second thing is, He is shaping us. We are formed by God. Every disappointment, every pandemic, every age of racial tension, every discouragement, every disease, God says, I will use every one of those things to shape you into my image so that you will be both useful, and beautiful. God is much more concerned about our character than he is our comfort. He said, I am shaping you. And listen, Grace Community Church, others that are listening, God is shaping you right now. With all the things that you're going through right now, all the fires in Arizona, the pandemic, the racial tension, God is forming you and shaping you right now because he wants you to be both Useful and beautiful. And the last thing is this. He is shining through us. You realize that? That he is shining through you. Uh, a few weeks ago, when we were setting in the book of 2 Corinthians, um, we talked about this concept, but I want to read it for you again. Uh, this is so beautiful. Uh, Paul is kind of coming right alongside Jeremiah, and this is what he writes In 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7. We now have this light shining in our hearts, Paul writes. Listen. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. God says you are like this fragile sometimes cracked and broken vessel. But the light of Jesus is in it. And that light is seen through that vessel, through those cracks, through the brokenness. That's where people see Jesus come through you and around you. We are containers of God. He lives in us and shines through us. We're I know we're lumpy and off-centered at times, but... That's who we are. So my uh, great niece, Devin, uh, a few years ago we were at a, um, a Denny's restaurant. And we were visiting in San Diego and she was with us and her mom and, and uh, my sister Joyce. By the way, this is Joyce that v- visits with us on uh, a Breezeway. This is her granddaughter, okay? So uh, Devin, we're in there and, and uh, Aunt Sherry's sitting by uh, Devin. And Devin says, Aunt Sherry, I, 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 want, I want to sing a song. Okay, honey, what do you want to sing? Uh, Jesus loves me. Okay. So Sherry said, Okay, let's, you know, Jesus. Oh, no. No, no. Devin. Jesus loves me. And she as loud as she could. And the other people in the restaurant all looked over and said, These are, This is a weird family. And then they see Devin singing. And guess what? Not all of them, but many of the people in that restaurant started singing, Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are great but he is strong. Isn't that beautiful? Because Devin and Aaron and you and me and the Israelites are formed and shaped by a loving God and that vessel that he creates is both beautiful and useful for his kingdom. Would you bow your heads with me? And while your heads are bowed, I just want to... um, read the words of an old hymn some of you will remember Uh, and just hear this as a prayer have thine own way Lord have thine own way thou art the potter I am the clay mold me and make me after thy will while I am waiting yielded and still have thine own way Lord have thine own way Hold o'er my being absolute sway. Fill with thy spirit till all shall see. Christ only always living in me. Lord, may Jesus see us. May Jesus be in us. And may people around us see Jesus through us, through that clay jar. Through those cracks and broken places, may they see Jesus shine. Father, thank you for this word. Thank you that you have once again told us who we are. You have told us that we are both useful to be ambassadors of the good news of Jesus and we are beautiful, so beautiful in your sight. Lord, I think the greatest gift that we can give to ourselves is to see us the way you see us is both useful and beautiful. To the end, Lord, I pray your blessing on each one that is listening now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.